Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Wednesday. We're going to talk some Cougar football. USC, Washington State, getting together this weekend. Friday night, two ranked teams. Would have been college game day had the game been on a Saturday, but it is not. But still, probably the best matchup of the weekend. And we're going to talk, uh, so we're going to preview the game. I originally planned to do a question and answer period first and then do a long preview with our buddy Barry Bolton from kookfan.com. But the, the segment was so good with Barry. I just, I'm going to put this up as its own podcast and we're going to do another podcast, which, uh, fi- finish up all the questions that you had guys had sent in after the Cal game. And I think we're going to bring in Chris Trevino, who, uh, runs the USC site fight on 247 on the 247 network. And we're all going to actually be on one site together here, uh, very shortly. So we'll do that. I'm going to try to put that up on a Thursday and do that. So if you have any questions or comments for us, podcast at uscfootball.com. That's our email address. Or you can call us at 424-254-9141. You can call or text to that number, 424-254-9141. Remember, keep your questions brief. Uh, we can't read li- really long ones. Make sure they go to that email address, podcast at uscfootball.com. Our buddy Connor, uh, a new intern, is uh, filing all of the questions for us because we get a whole bunch in there. He's helping us out with that. So if you don't send it to that email address, it won't get on the air. Try to direct it to somebody if you want me to answer it or if you wanted uh, like Keely and Shotgun. They're going to have a show coming up here too. Dan Weber, Harvey Hyde. Let us know who you want to answer the question. Don't say it's for everybody. Don't give us your 10 points of the game. We just can't read all that stuff because we just get too many coming in. We want to get as many people on there as we can, but we can't read three-page emails and stuff that you guys send in. So please try to keep them concise, and uh, we'll go forward with that and do as many do our best to get to as many of the emails and voicemails and texts as we possibly can. But let's jump into our interview. We're going to talk some Trojan and Cougar football. We have Barry Bolton, who's the managing editor for CougFan.com, part of the Scout slash 247 or whatever we're called network right now. What is up, Barry? How you doing, man? I'm doing great. How are you, Ryan? Can't complain. Uh, getting ready for a trip up to Pullman uh, on a Friday night. Uh, which we were talking about before we were recording. This would have been a really nice Saturday game if we, if, if the TV schedule and Larry Scott and the Pac-12 would have, uh, did their, did their due diligence. We would have probably seen this game on a Saturday and probably had college game day up in Pullman. Throw in direct TV to that, uh, that list as well. We're blaming every, I'm blaming everybody anyway. Um, yeah, it would have been nice. Um, obviously I, I think college game day would have come this time finally. Uh, it would have been nice for the fans. Uh, viewing audience, I think it would have been the perfect game for Saturday at 5 p.m. in prime time on ABC, but it was not to be uh, scheduled for a Friday. Uh, ESPN certainly loves to be able to fill their inventory, and they're getting an awfully good game with number 16 versus number 5, premier game as far as I'm concerned in college football. It should be fun to watch. Yeah, it should be. It's fun. And uh, so Larry Scott was actually at the uh... – USC Texas game in the Coliseum and uh our beat writer Dan Weber asked him about it 
like, hey, you know, any regrets or anything? And he's like, no, no, it's fine. It's, that's just what the TV partners want. So that's what we do. And like, well, you could have had like college game day. It could have been. He just was not like getting into it. He's like, nah, nah, whatever. It's fine. <laughs> it's like, I understand the motivation behind it. I understand that, you know, the, the contract being what it was, that the TV powers that be want to be able to fill that inventory on Thursday and Friday nights and have the flexibility to also uh, do some some Saturday night programming and such. But, boy, it's difficult for the fans. Um, you know, people have families. People have kids. They want to be able to, to go. And Washington State obviously is not close to a major metropolitan area. If you're going to go that route, you're going to have to pull in people from Spokane a good couple hours away with traffic. Uh, if you go to the west side in Seattle, where the vast majority of Washington State alums are, you've got to make a five-hour trip if you're going by car, at least. Um, it, it's just a difficult thing to do on a Friday night. Uh, Saturday um, would have certainly been the ideal thing to have that game. I think every Washington State fan would, would take 11 other games. Well, maybe not the Apple Cup, but maybe 10 other games and, and trade them out and say, hey, we'll do Friday on this one, but let's have USC and Washington State play on Saturday. But um, that's what uh, the TV powers want, and that's what the contract is and until it ends and you know they're, they're able to re-up or negotiate further, which I don't think they're going to be able to do. Um, that's the way it's going to be. And so, unfortunately, we've got Washington State and USC on Friday night. But that said, I do think the atmosphere uh, in Martin Stadium 7.30 p.m. Uh, it, it's going to be pretty electric. Uh, it should be a heck of a game. I mean, it should be two undefeated teams. Um, you know, we got to see, we've seen Washington State the last couple of years be a good team, especially towards the end of the season. But then, you know, early on there would be that kind of hiccup. And this this season was not that case. You know, <laughs> didn't lose to an FCS school. Amazing comeback <laughs> against Boise State. And here you are. And it's like, hey, this. I mean, Mike Leach and his squad, I mean, this looks like a real team a real contender in the, in a, a packed Pac-12 North. Yeah, just when you think that you know what's going to happen with the Mike Leach-Washington State team, they, they go and surprise you. Uh, last two years, obviously, losing the, the opener to the SCS team. Eastern, it doesn't bother me as much uh, from last year. The, the Portland State loss before that was, was certainly much worse. Eastern was a pretty good football team. They shouldn't have lost, but they still did. But looking ahead to, you know, obviously in the present, um, you're right. Uh, the, the comeback against Boise State was uh, phenomenal. Uh, Boise State hasn't looked as good since then, so that's taken maybe a little bit of the luster off it from some of the national fan perspective. Um, I think you can only play who, who you're, who's on your schedule, though, and Washington State's looked pretty good uh, doing it. The defense especially uh, is, has been the biggest story. There's issues, as, as there are in any team, with uh, certain areas and, and positions. The offensive line for Washington State has kind of been a surprise and in, in a not-so-good way. Um, that said, you know, it's, it's not like they're playing badly. They just aren't playing to the, the very high expectation level that everybody had for them, given what they had coming back and, and where they developed to. But Washington State, so far, um, everything ha- has looked great. They're going to have their first really big, true test this weekend. Uh, they certainly haven't played a, a team with the kind of athleticism, depth, uh, just natural raw talent that, that USC has. The, the schedule hasn't turned out that way. I thought Washington State would have already had a pretty good test because I believed Oregon State was going to be a, one of those rising teams that 
maybe you beat, but you hate playing them. Yeah. Uh, you get beat up. They were, they looked to be so, uh, on the rise at the end of last year after knocking off Oregon and they gave Washington State everything they wanted and more, especially in the first half last year. Uh, I thought Oregon State was going to be a, a really tough game and a good test. And Oregon State has been the, the surprise of the Pac-12 conference in terms of disappointment so far. So along with Montana State, uh, Boise State, which was an incredible game, uh, regardless of what Boise State has, has done since then. Um, and then... Uh, Obviously, Nevada is coming back in Washington State, uh, probably played their best game against them defensively. Um, that might not be saying a whole lot, but, um, boy, uh, I, I don't know if anybody else could have looked, you know, any better um, than they did on defense. And the best thing about that game was Washington State kept their foot on the gas the entire 60 minutes. It's human nature. Uh, when you get up, when, I, it was obvious midway through the first quarter, Washington State was going to win the game and win it easily. A lot of times what we've seen in the past, um, you know, the, the foot comes off the gas a little bit and there's some sloppy play here and there. And we saw some of that uh, on the offense in the second half. But the defense all the way through, whether they were going to their, their second string, the threes, uh, bringing in guys that weren't even expecting to play uh, towards the end there, the defense was fired up and, and playing with their hair on fire throughout, which is what, you know, you want to see from a team. And so it's it's a good, it's definitely a good start. Washington State was hopeful to get off to a good start with a crazy schedule of five straight home games. Um, now they've got the big one against USC. So we're gonna we're gonna find out a lot about Washington State, I think. And uh, and what we have going forward is the Cougs head off on the road after this. Yeah, Oregon State is, uh, I thought they'd be good too. And man, they're terrible. <laughs> just awful. It's just an awful football team right now. Um, so that, yeah. Yeah. I don't get it either. I thought Gary Anderson, I thought, I thought they were going in the right direction the end of last year, like you were saying. Yeah. I, I just, I, I don't really know what's changed either. Um, they, they look like they had some, some good people come back. Ryan Nall is, is a hell of a oh, running back. He's a and, stud. Yeah. You know, I know his offense. Has, hasn't done it for him, but uh, he certainly hasn't looked like himself either. So it's a mystery. Yeah. Well, we. Um, I, I'm glad you started off talking about the defense because I think I have people a little come up to me and talk to me about the game, like USC fans, and sometimes they're like, oh, they can't run the ball or they don't play a lot of defense. I'm like, have you seen the defense play? I mean, that's, uh, I think, you know, scored three defensive touchdowns already. Um you know, when they, they get multiple turnovers, a really good record. Uh, what what would you say has kind of changed? I guess with the the Cougar defense uh, this year from last couple. I think I, I think it's a number of different things. I think one of the biggest things is you, you've got a, a unit that has kind of grown up with the defensive coordinator Alex Grinch is going into his third year. I think it took a little while um, to to get some of those things down. I think it also took uh, a while for some of the guys to go up. Um, you've got some guys that are, you know, now junior and, and some third-year sophomores and, and seniors as well. And so I think they've just done, they've naturally developed. And then uh, so far, um, th- this brings up a really interesting point. I think we're going to, uh, we might not get the whole book uh, explanation, um, but I think we're going to at least get a few chapters 
on Washington State's defensive recruiting philosophy and how that's going to play out. What is kind of what's been a little shocking for Cougar fans is um, each recruiting class or the last two recruiting classes, Washington State has not taken a prototypically sized nose tackle or defensive tackle. And so for the past two years, Cougar fans watching recruiting and saying, what is going on <laughs> as, as you get closer to the day and then they don't sign one. And we finally were able to talk to Alex Grinch this past February. And the, the philosophy is we're going to sacrifice size to get speed. We're going to recruit guys up front that are big, long, and rangy that, that people would classify maybe as defensive end types. And then we're going to develop them, and some of those guys are going to grow, and they're going to end up being, you know, the 285-pound type guys. And that that has worked well this year. It, it's come to fruition. Um, Washington State is is lightning fast. Um, they've looked lightning fast anyway through four games. Uh, obviously, we'll have to make a, a final evaluation at the end of the year. But what this this game is really going to be fascinating to me is. Because the question is, well, can you you can play that way if you've got special guys that are real quick and, and you can beat the teams that are in the lower half of the contra- conference on defense up front doing that. And, and Washington State, I think, has proven through these first four games that's you know certainly true. The question now arises, well, what about when you have an uber-athletic, strong, big offensive line and they're just going to try to run it down your throat? Are you still going to be able to hold up? Are you going to be able to to stop them consistently over the course of four quarters? And if so, are you going to have to rotate guys in there so that you guys aren't gassed midway through the third and on into the fourth? So this is really going to be interesting to me. I think I saw something where USC's offensive line averages 309 pounds and uh, Washington State's averages uh, uh, the front three down linemen uh, 264. So we're we're gonna get a pretty good shot at uh, you know the the size speed debate that uh, that's come up here. Um, well, we got to talk about Luke Falk. Obviously, uh, he was uh, USC got to see him. I think it was 2014 last time they played in Pullman. It was uh, Connor Holiday. He got hurt, I think, and Luke Falk came in. If I'm remembering this correctly, um, you are. Yeah, but he, uh, you know, all kinds of records. Throws zillions of touchdown passes, 500 yards pass. I mean, I don't know, man. The guy just seems pretty special. Is he? Has it been any? Is it kind of the same this year as, as we've seen before? Is he different? Like, what? What do you think about Luke Falk? You know, it's really funny. Um, this year, in the first four games, I mean, he had he had a bad game against Boise State, and he ended up getting hurt and and going out for a while, and he was okay to come back in, but. At that point, uh, the backup Tyler Herlinski had done such a good job and, and ended up leading the incredible comeback. So, um, you know, that, that I'm sure wasn't, Luke Falk was happy about the win, but I'm sure that didn't, that didn't sit all that great with him. Um, and it's funny because something like that happens and then the media will ask, you know, Leach time after time, you know, what's going on with Falk? What's going on with Falk? Um, and the, the gist of it was that, Leach said, you know, basically it's it's paralysis by over-analysis. Luke's an incredibly analytic guy. He's always asking questions. He's always looking to get better, always wants to try that. And, and Leach felt like you're just over-analyzing things too much. You're waiting for something that, you know, you don't need to. The windows are there. Let it fly. Sometimes you just have to go out there and play. 
Um, and the, the funny thing is, he's, he's the nation's leading passer, and we're talking about all this. And, you know, the fans were, were criticizing, you know, during the Boise State game and such, and other people are saying, ah, it's time to make a change. And uh, Luke Falk is uh, a fantastic college quarterback who does not get the national attention or, or local, really, that, that he should. Uh, he is exceptional at, at reading a defense. Um, he makes really smart decisions. Two years ago, everybody's forgotten uh, in the nine-win season that really helped the Cougars break out of a, a really difficult stretch for a long time. It was Falk who led uh, some miracle comebacks time after time after time. It was like every game uh, with you know minute left, minute and a half, here's Luke Falk down by four, and he leads the team to victory. So um, Falk is, uh, I think, going to be a fantastic NFL quarterback as well. Um, I, I'm, I'm glad that he came back this last year for Cougar fans, that they get to see this guy. Um, the numbers that he ends up putting up at, at the end of it, he's, he's probably going to own every meaningful uh, Pac-12, Pac-10, Pac-8 pa- passing record in 102-year history of the conference. Um, he's, uh, he's a special one. They don't come along very often. And uh, hopefully Cougar fans are just going to enjoy um, every single minute that they have of, of watching this guy. He's that good. And uh, got a pretty good running game to go along with it. Uh, there's a few different guys, I think, in the backfield that can be dangerous. Maybe we talk about the uh, running backs for the Cougs. Yeah, it's an interesting dynamic so far. Um, they they have Jim Mastro has done a fantastic job in developing. Um, it, it's a group recruiting effort, but Mastro has also done an, an exceptional job in bringing the, the guys in that they have. And how they've, um, uh, they really broke out last year. Um, you know, I think, uh, uh, 120 yards rushing per game doesn't sound maybe like a lot, but for, for Washington State and especially based on what came before it and in games where you saw Mike Leach running the ball maybe five times, uh, that was the guy who, who had the most carries in the game. And, um, Washington State broke out last year and they had three guys, um, and, and they kind of went around all of them. This year they actually have four. Uh, any of those four could start. Uh, that was the whole storyline throughout the entire fall camp. And since that time, in, since the games have started, they've narrowed it down to two, uh, really. The, the other guys are still there, uh, and I, I think that we're going to see them at some point. I, I think that they're going to flash um, uh, those. But the, the two guys that you're seeing the most are Jamal Morrow and James Williams. And James Williams um, started off the year like gangbusters and then uh, maybe wasn't hitting the hole quite the way that, that Mike Leach wanted. Um, Washington State went away from the run game, uh, as they're prone to do, and, and then they went back to it. So you never quite know what you're going to see. But uh, Morrow is a guy who is extraordinarily versatile. Uh, you can ask him to do anything. He does everything well, from blocking to, to catching the ball um, to, to obviously running it. Williams has improved greatly on his blocking. He's a special runner. He's a guy that can make moves uh, almost at full speed. He's really difficult to bring down. He's got power and speed, and he's slippery. Um, the offensive line is, we, we can talk about that later, I guess, the, um, the issue there. But Gerard Wicks is your power back. Uh, haven't seen a whole lot of him yet, uh, except for on special teams. He's, he's doing excellent work there, and he's, he's had a few um, power runs and, and he's got a touch, a big touchdown against Boise State. He's actually the fastest guy in a straight line. Uh, and you wouldn't think of it to look at him, but, but he is. 
but Morrow and Williams, the way that they can spread a defense, the, the moves they can make out in space, the danger that they have there, uh, they've positioned themselves at the top of the heap so far. Keith Harrington's another guy, um, really good out in the pattern, uh, really good if, if he gets out in space a little bit. Um, he also, along with Wicks, I, I think we're going to hear from both of them. The other thing I should mention is um, what Mike Leach wants from his running backs doesn't care about rushes. He cares about, he wants his backs to lead the Pac-12 in all-purpose yards. And so that means receiving and rushing, uh, but also maybe a little bit of, of returns, punts, or something like that. But mostly it's rushing and receiving. The most interesting stat to me, uh, or at least one of the most interesting, is through four games, James Williams is the leading receiver at Washington State, and it's not really close. He's got 37 catches in four games. So, you know, nine plus in every in a game. Uh, and the next guy is the receiver, uh, probably the Cougs' best go-to target on the outside, Tavares Martin Jr. He's got 26 grabs. So he's got a way to go to, to catch James Williams. It's going to be very interesting to me over the course of this year if Washington State continues to, to target James Williams. And if teams, I don't think it's going to happen this weekend, but if teams continue to drop seven and eight to try to slow down the passing attack, then I think Falk's just going to hit that dump off every time and James Williams' re- receptions are just going to go up and up. Yeah, he's like third in the country, I think, in receptions as a running back. <laughs> that's kind of <laughs> crazy. Um, that's pretty nuts. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, the offensive line, I guess, maybe underperformed a little bit so far this year. Maybe going to touch on that a, a tad. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, it, and again, it's not as if they performed badly. They just have not performed up to a, a, what is a, a very high expectation level. I mean, you've got Cody O'Connell, who was not just an All-American last year, but a unanimous All-American. And uh, I, I don't think Cody would say, and Mike Leach has, has certainly said that, you know, he needs to do better, but all of them do. Um, you've got some guys that uh, I think the right tackle, um, Leach has said, has probably played the best overall. That's Cole Madison. Um, and then left tackle, Andre Dillard, who came in as like a 245-pounder, and, and now he's just – that was a fantastic recruiting um, eye that they had on him. Uh, he's developed now. He's, you know, just a beast at – I think he's 305 or something like that. But, you know, he's got a lot of nasty in him. He played the best last week, in Leach's opinion. Uh, the center that they've got is a first-year starter in Frederick Maui Goa. And I, I think he has a chance to be really, truly special. He's looked very good to me, uh, and especially just in, in being a, a second-year sophomore. He played as a true freshman last year. Cody O'Connell's your left guard. And then a right guard. There was another guy that, that was expected to, to be in when people were penciling things in, you know, preseason and fall camp. And fifth-year senior, B.J. Salmonson, just plain old beat everybody out. And so he's in there at that spot. I think the biggest thing, and, and you hear it from coaches all the time, and my eyes glaze over every time that, you know, the, the word comes out, but it's also true, consistency, that's what's been lacking. Sometimes Washington State will look good on the offensive line. Sometimes you see guys down in that second and third level. Um, there was a play last week where Andre Tillard uh, made a, a gorgeous move. You can't believe he's you know as big as he is and he can move like that. And then he got out on a cornerback and drove the cornerback five yards onto his wallet. Um, if you can ever see a tackle do that to a cornerback, um, that's something that you should just 
you know, make a loop of and <laughs> put it on your computer and watch 24-7. Um, so you've seen some of that, but then there's been other times, and I alluded to it earlier when I, I mentioned that, you know, teams trying to drop seven and eight in order to try and um, fill up that zone that Falk's trying to hit on, on the pass plays and such. Um, so they're, they're rushing four, or they're rushing three. And those four, or even sometimes those three, are getting and putting pressure on Falk much, much sooner than they should. If you've got five guys blocking four or three, and especially if you're, you're said to be one of the, the better offensive lines by pro football focus or whoever out there, um, you should be able to, to give Luke Falk enough time to, to make himself a sandwich back there if he wants before he throws. And that, that hasn't been the case. It hasn't been consistent enough. And now um, you've got USC. And, and based on what I've seen, um, you know, and especially in the Texas game, um, they're, they're going to come after him. Um, you're going to try to just go ahead and, and take away what Washington State does best and throw in the ball. And if Luke Falk doesn't have enough time, and if he also doesn't make better decisions at times and get rid of it and recognize that, you know, there, there's trouble coming and I've got to live to fight another day um, and, and take a bad sack, then, you know, it's going to be a tough slog for Washington State on Friday night. USC is going to... Uh, some people think that USC's defensive pass rush against that offensive line, based on how they performed, is going to be a win-win for USC. Uh, Washington State's going to have to play much better than they have up front on the O-line, um, and they're going to have to, you know, really start living up to their potential and, and you know, win some battles here um, when, when the Cougs take on the Trojans on Friday. Yeah, USC got a lot of success rushing three or four guys against Cal and uh, got a lot of pressure and forced a bunch of turnovers. So, um, yeah, you don't want to be able to give up. You don't want to let, you know, allow them to create pressure with just four guys and dropping guys back into coverage. So, um, yeah, that'll certainly and these be are the, These are, these are teams that, that are not close to USC and talent level that have done that. And so then the natural question to ask is, well, if they're doing, if these teams are doing it with three and four, what's going to happen when three and four come from SC? Yeah. It'll be definitely one to watch. I want to watch the line play. Um, I know we're going to let you go, but uh, one last thing just on special teams, Barry. Uh, Eric Powell's a you know, good kicker. I know he's uh, one of the career leaders in field goals for Washington State. Um, but kind of in general, how has uh, Washington State special teams performed so far this year? They performed very good. Um, Powell uh, had some problems at the start of last year. Uh, fought through that and, and nailed nine of his last ten. Um, this year he had a, a great clutch kick from a really bad angle to keep the Boise State game going. Um, uh, he, he's done excellent. On, they've, they've got three different guys that they've, they put out there on kickoffs and all of them done well. The, the most amazing thing to me, um, well, first of all, I should say that the return units have not busted a big one off. They, they haven't been bad, but they haven't been great either, either on punt return or kick return. I, I think one's coming. Um, last year was the first time in a long time that Washington State had run back a, a punt return and a kickoff return for score. Haven't seen somebody break off a, a big one. Well, there was one, but it was called back from penalty. Um, one of the, the more amazing things to me on the special teams is the, the punt coverage uh, and just the coverage units in general. Washington State's done an excellent job on both kickoff and, and punt coverage. And in the past, um, you know, recent past as well, 
that those were the things that killed Washington State. There was a season that, that they gave up four returns for score. Um, and I think after the third one is when they fired the special teams coach and brought in a guy named Eric Mealy, who is uh, a fantastic special teams coach. He's proven to be an outstanding recruiter as well. He's done some really good work. His punt team this year, um, I believe they only had to punt 13 times. Of those 13, they've only allowed six returns because they've done a great job with the rugby-style punt. And when they punted it normally or high, they, they've angled. And they haven't given a dangerous return man like the guy at Boise State a chance. Um, and then on the six of the 13 that they've returned, that coverage unit has allowed a combined total five yards. So, so far, they, they've just been exceptional. You're not going to be able to, to continue that, that average over the course of the year. But if you can get anywhere within spitting distance of it, especially given the troubles that Washington State had had going back, you know, maybe three years or so, you could see it start to turn two years ago and last year and, and now this year. Um, and that, you can say that for all the special teams as well. Um, they're, they're definitely playing much better. I think Eric Mealy would tell you, well, we, we still have a ways to go. We still have more improvement. But I think Washington State has a shot to, to be a top 25 special teams unit this year, ranked in the top 25 if you go and, and look at some of the rankings like FEI and such. Um, that is pretty exceptional given how bad the Washington State special teams were just three years ago. All right. Uh, Barry Bolton, managing editor for kookfan.com. On Twitter, just kookfan.com, right, Barry? Is that the uh, the best way? Yeah, we threw a curveball in at you for that, so yes. Nice. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Very cool. Well, I, I appreciate you, Barry, coming on, and I uh, look forward to seeing you up there. Uh, what's, the weather, what's the weather supposed to be like? It's supposed to be warm, cold? You know, unfortunately, uh, for Cougar fans, I think they were all kind of hoping that maybe it'd be a little miserable, a little wet, a <laughs> little cold. Maybe USC wouldn't, wouldn't really enjoy being up there. But, uh, the latest NOAA weather forecast that I saw was, uh, I think about 66 degrees at kickoff, 10 to 12 mile an hour winds, half overcast sky. It's going to be pleasant. Okay. A, a little too pleasant for for cougar fans. <laughs> well, I did see a, a picture on Twitter of like crap loads of bugs or something flying around the lights. Did you see that one? That was uh, it looked kind of crazy. I have not seen that. Oh. Maybe uh, maybe some industrious cougar fans have, have taken the weather into their own hands. They're going to make it miserable no matter what for both teams. It was it was like really scary looking. I was like, what the heck is that? It just looked like. Moths or something. I mean, but like millions of them, just like all around the lights of the state on Martin Stadium. But um, cool. Well, thanks so I'm much. Have, yeah, we'll see. I'm gonna have to go look at that. Yeah, go check it out. Um, thanks so much, Barry, for coming on, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you up there. Ryan, it was a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. All right, anytime. And uh, so that's Barry Bolton. Uh, go check him out on Kookfan.com. Thanks for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast, and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.